With all of the snow and ice, the Tennessee legislature was not in session this week. So Gary and I shift our focus to the Davos crowd and Klaus von Schwab's belief that elections can be eliminated due to the predictive power of AI. We also review Trump's big victory in Iowa. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters Podcast. She's cold as ice. Now, see, you, you've restored my faith, Gary. You're as cold. But he's talking about a she, though. So that's what hit the brain. So, so who is it? Have mercy. Hang on Aww. a second. I know, but it, it's like uh, I know it's, it's Journey or Foreigner. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. Lead singer. <laughs> I go deep. Let's see. I'm like, Steve Perry is Journey. That's right. Who's foreign? I don't remember his name. Lou Graham. Okay. Yeah, and I chose this. Uh, obviously, we missed last week because of the weather, but it's still a little cold outside, so I chose this knowing that we were going to be struggling in on the ice to get to the office, and it was cold as ice. Which is actually our excuse for also, for the very first time, missing an episode. In over 100 week. episodes. <laughs> Never missed one. That's that's pretty remarkable, isn't it? It is. Not only have we not missed one, we've never put in a a substitute episode like a Christmas, you know, rerun or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no reruns here. It took complete snow devastation <laughs> to keep us from the studio from recording. Yeah, it's kind of been an odd week, sort of quiet. And um I love the snow having grown up in Pennsylvania. I I love snow days. What I don't like is because we are in that cusp between warm and cold, we always get a lot of ice. And although at the beginning of the week it wasn't ice, we certainly got ice, well, from the time we're recording, got ice last night. And that makes it very difficult for anybody. And so the icy roads, not fun seeing cars sort of slide, you know, maybe 10 miles an hour just going into the ditch. My wife and I lived in North Texas, in Grapevine, Texas, for 10 years. And, uh, yeah, North Texas— Ice shuts everything down. In fact, we were we were living there. This must have been this was 2010, 11. I can't remember the year. Maybe 12, somewhere around there. The Super Bowl was in the new. No, if it's the new stadium, so it had to be later. Maybe like 14 or 15. The Super Bowl was in the new Cowboy Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, the most expensive stadium right. ever built at like $1.2 billion. We've, we've blown way past that yeah, by now. E- even here in Tennessee, right? Yeah. The- so, uh, yeah, in that year of the Super Bowl, um, everything was frozen. I mean, just shut down, and it was a, a huge flop. I remember that. Yeah, ice is, well, it's dangerous. and It's, it's dangerous. nice. It's dangerous for other people running into you, too. That's what makes me more nervous than anything. But here we are, safe and sound. We are. And uh, I want to get us started today by a fresh off the press, dateline January 19th from The Blaze. Have you seen this, Gary? Quote from Char- Charles Schwab. Listen to me. <laughs> No, <laughs> quote no, from very different, <laughs> or maybe not. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, I don't know political don't know inclinations different. of Charles Schwab. However, uh, WEF Chairman Klaus Schwab, who I believe is about eighty some years old, which got to be these people never die. Do you, is that strange to you? Like George Soros and all these folks that look just 
older than you can imagine old can be. They and never die. They don't. And what I what I don't, I've had this conversation with some of my siblings. When I'm that age, I'm going to be worried about my grandchildren, providing for my grandchildren, having fun with my grandchildren, all of the things that you do in your 80s. Not worried about trying to control the world. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a sickness. It's, it's evil. Well, consistent with that, Gary, Klaus Schwab, let me just read to you a couple of paragraphs to get to the, the point. Klaus Schwab envisions, this is Davos, obviously, the elites over there trying to plan our lives, envisioned a future without elections. Surprise, surprise. I've seen this. Yeah. Predicting that voting will no longer be needed as artificial intelligence will be able to predict That's right. who voters would want in power. It already knows. So Schwab was uh, interviewing co-founder of Google, Sergey Brin, and he said, quote, Digital technologies mainly have an analytical power. Now we go into a predictive power, and we have seen the first examples, and your company very much evolved into it. The next step could be to go into a prescriptive mode, which means you do not even have to have elections anymore because you can already predict it. And then, he says, a crucial issue, Gary, that needs to be tackled is how humanity is viewed. Quote, we need new concepts to define what humanity is, and this is his broken English, and what's the purpose of our lives is. Wow. How he, Out loud, right? These guys are so, that you can tell that they believe that they are invincible. They can sit and have these conversations out loud, knowing that it's being filmed, knowing it's going to be shared all over the world. And they have no qualms about talking about, he, he clearly has a God complex. And how is it that we're not, and when I say we, I mean collectively, like just people in general, are not really being informed and paying attention when people like this actually say these things out loud. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're 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 letting us know, you know, what what their intentions yeah. are. And um but we just go on with life laissez faire, like nothing's happening around us, yet we but it's like you say, um, they're so emboldened, mm-hmm. you know, they're not used to you had to really dig for this stuff. Yeah. Like they were, they would put these plans in hiding. Or, or, you know, back in the day, for example, whenever Democrats didn't want you to know that they were socialists, right? And now uh, it just doesn't matter anymore. They they're so emboldened because they believe they've won over culture, which in large part they have. But um, and to the extent they haven't, it doesn't matter because they believe that they can do what they want anyway. Yeah. Well, when you continue the the uh, trend of Literally, you can kill off, you know, a, a decent percentage of the population, and there's no accountability for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, why would you be concerned about what anyone thinks about your your plans? There, there is no accountability mechanism um, yeah. for these folks. So it's on the one hand, do we fear them? No, we don't. We fear God. These these are just men, but we shouldn't laugh it off or just roll our eyes. We should definitely take notice and be prepared to do everything in our power to make sure that that doesn't happen. On the way in, this, um, what, what did you say? What was the last thing you said about it, the, the view of humanity? Yes. <clears throat> he says, quote, we need new concepts to define what humanity is and the purpose of our lives. Yeah, there was uh, just 
sort of off topic, but on, on the way in to the studio today, I was listening to the latest uh, Steve Dace show episode and um and why were you listening to steve dace scary you want to- well well truthfully because i always listen to steve dace but, i know but isn't there a but more I, you're personal setting me reason? up yes yeah well of course and uh no we have our uh very first uh tennessee stands fundraiser coming up uh fundraising event f- saturday february 3rd it's called freedom first and uh, you can register at tennesseestands.org slash freedom first and We've got one of my absolute favorite folks to listen to coming in as our keynote, and that is Mr. Steve Dace, uh, who will also has also has agreed uh, to be with us in the studio here on the Freedom yeah, Matters podcast uh, while he's here that weekend. So that'll be uh, great. But on during their montage today, there was this clip played, and I, you know, I'm, I'm listening to audio, so I didn't get to see the video. But there was a clip of this, what I'm assuming is a a person, and they were they were trying to determine if this person was actually doing a bit or not. But no, we, we think it's very real. And why not? Because everything you think is crazy nowadays is most certainly almost mm-hmm. real. Uh, this person was went way beyond trans and had identified themselves as some robotic being that could not function properly because as they have been placed into this fleshly body, they can't connect to the internet as they normally would, so they were sort of a, trapped in a a robotic being trapped in a human body that that has no connectivity. <laughs> was there an object? Were they justifying certain behavior? No, they they have a every week. It's kind of a look back at the most insane things that that have happened on the internet. You know, throughout the week, I I'm only I'm only saying that to say I think the I think the infatuation level with artificial intelligence and where we're heading has clearly reached an all-time high. And it's it's not only the capability of the artificial intelligence itself and the fears that are just inherent mm-hmm. as that continues to roll out into every sector of society, including our elections, but it's also this, this human infatuation that we have. Uh, I think that we've always had. I mean, it, I, I love sci-fi, right. you know, uh, except that... At the time, as a teenager and younger, I never dreamed that Skynet was real when you're, when you're watching The Terminator. Sure. <laughs> and now all of a sudden you see those things become a reality. But um, I don't know, just to see, just to hear a person now literally coming out as some sort of a non-binary trans person, but identifying as artificial intelligence. It's just we've, we've, we're going full circle. Well, and this. the other, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. The other it, both fascinating and dangerous aspect of AI is that you see a lot of a lot of spoofs now and a lot of deep fakes in social media because you can manipulate what a person is saying and actually have him or her move his or her lips in accordance with the words that are coming out of the mouth and it's nothing that the person ever said right you you take a person who's giving a speech or making a presentation or in a conversation or an interview and then through the use of AI, you can take their voice and their lips and make different words come out from the the otherwise, you know, the body in that time frame. It's just... Did you see the video of what they did with uh, Javier is it yes. Mele from Argentina? Yep, did you see the, the English, the AI English version? Yes. I mean, that's that's mind-blowing. And the, on, the only reason I accepted it as real is because Elon Musk retweeted it. Right, and they had... Well, I saw transcripts, too, of the translated what he had said. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, it's remarkable. It looked, felt, sounded yeah. like he was standing there speaking in English. Other than the fact that it didn't have his accent. Yeah. But anybody who didn't know, and of course he's new on the political scene to anybody in America, right? He was elected, what, Just September, ago, October, yeah. something like that? Yeah. Um, by the way, though, what he said was, you know, most people now don't go to Davos unless they agree with the Davos crowd. So I find it interesting that the new president of Argentina, who is a Friedrich von Hayek classic liberal... Uh, economic trained, right? He's a scholar. He's not like um, someone like Donald Trump, who's a businessman. This this guy has scholarship all through his past, so he speaks very intelligently to the issues. and 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 he made such a distinction between the collectivism of the world and how the West is is abandoning freedom and and the dangers of that. And he said it right to the Davos crowd. So give him a lot of credit. Yeah, it's incredible. What what he's doing right now is. Um it's it's not it's gonna use the word mind blowing it's not it's it's refreshing mm-hmm. um i'm hoping that uh the lord protects him and keeps him well <laughs> exactly from your mouth to my thoughts same thing guys like that yeah they they can't be stopped through debate so then the the enemy thinks of other ways to stop him so that's that is something i get concerned about yeah smith i don't know his uh his belief situation but may the lord keep him because my gosh in a, a culture as crazy as we are now on the global stage um we need a voice like that mm-hmm. crying out in the wilderness yep you know yeah argentina speaking of of artificial intelligence too it's interesting you know even here on the state level i think everyone is starting to pay attention to this now as something uh, legitimate and something that needs to be addressed in law so a couple of things governor bill lee announced i think it was last week they're running a bill that protects, and I don't know all the ins and outs, uh, but it's being supported by the music community, but it, it protects songwriters right. from the impacts of artificial <clears throat> intelligence. Um, so we're addressing that this year, and then there's a there's a bill filed by um, Representative Scott Sapicki that doesn't really have a lot of details in it, so I don't, you know, I'm not sure what to make of it yet, but it simply requires that all schools and higher education um, institutions create a policy of how to deal with artificial intelligence um, in education. Mm-hmm. But that's all the bill does, you know, like, what, what, what is that? Yeah. But, but I mean, you know, to their credit, who, who know? I mean, what, what kind of policy, you know, can you create outside of saying, you know, you can't generate your, your essays and your work, on AI, the, the simple ma- fact of the matter uh, is... Unless you're the president of Harvard, maybe. That's <laughs> true. That's uh, true. Um, but, I mean, in, in all of these tools, even in my world, it's it's strange. You know, I'm, I do a lot of creative stuff. You know, I do all my, all my video content here with Tennessee Stands. And in just all of the Adobe software, like Photoshop, uh, Adobe Premiere, where you render videos, on WordPress, in the Elementor uh, Builder, where we uh, maintain our website... Every single piece uh, of that software now integrates AI. And so, for example, in Elementor, where you used to had to, uh, you would used to have to hard code something, like you wanted to apply 
a CSS standard to style something on your website, and you would have to know the code to do that. Now there's an AI window where you can just tell it what you want it to do, mm-hmm. and then it generates <laughs> the code for you. But the point being... Contingent upon how you describe it, right? You right. Kind of have to it's called prompting. Finesse so you it. have to prompt the... There, there's, right. a, there's actually <clears throat> now certifications in prompting. You can be a certified <laughs> AI prompter. Great. Another expert, right? Yes. So, Gary, you don't know what you're talking about because the certified AI prompter says that's not the case. That's right. Well, and and I I, I would never confess right now to be uh, an expert in AI. I don't want to be. But you see what I'm getting at, though? It, it's not that you'll be an expert in AI. It's that you will say something that is true. And the way it will be challenged is you'll say, well, that was AI, but the person behind the AI will say, yes, but I'm an expert and I'm the one that prompted AI. Therefore, my words right. have more value than your words. Right. Well, unless you consider that the AI, the AI is sentient, you know, and it's developing its own thoughts and reasoning beyond the program, which <laughs> which, I, which I believe this is sort of where this is going. But my, my whole point in all of this is I'm, I wish we weren't here you know, I, I would like to stay away from it altogether. But just like with everything else, just like with the adaptation of having phones in our pockets mm-hmm. and all of these things that changed life forever, yep. um, AI is here to stay. It's not going away. And it and and by the way, I I don't know how, but I believe if not this year, uh, at least by next cycle, our elections are being you know, influenced by AI, of course. Whether whether we know it or yeah, not, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Every so, why wouldn't they be? Well, yeah, exactly. So when I th- I'm just thinking about, you know, this bill trying to create policy around AI and education, I would rather ignore it and no, let's just not have it. But that's just it's it's not possible. It's not reasonable. These children are going to grow up in a world full of AI. Um, I don't want to keep bantering on that. I'm just I'm. I'm concerned. I, we're we're facing, and I don't know again how much the general population recognizes that we we are facing another culture shattering, earth shattering milestone moment in humanity, where everything about how we engage in business and with each other is about to change. Has already in many ways, but about to change drastically as AI gets adopted um, further and further. Yeah, and. So our our resolve and our our uh, our purpose and our response to this can't be, as you indicate, can't be to hide from it, right? And I don't even think there's a lot of um, effort that should be put in trying to stop it because you can't stop technology, but govern how we use it, what we use it for, what does it, what implications does it have for our moment in time, right? God obviously knew that this was happening in in the sequence, right, of history. Think about the Gutenberg printing press. You know, prior to Gutenberg, the Bible was transmitted through manuscripts, handwritten manuscripts, and you could only reproduce 40 pages per day by hand at that time. When the Gutenberg printing press came about, you could suddenly produce 3,600 pages per day. And what's amazing is, and by, by the way, there were printing presses before Gutenberg, but he had the first movable type, and that's why it became mm. so dramatic. But what's fascinating about it is, here's Gutenberg put in time and place. 1440 was when the Gutenberg press, movable press came about. 
And the first thing he does once he figures out he's got this new technology, he could have done fairy tales and pop culture type books. But what does he do? He says, I'm going to mass produce the Bible and put the word of God into the hands of people that they've never had before, right? This, this put the Catholic priests on notice and really surprised them because now they couldn't control the fact that people had the word of God in their hands. Well, that, of course, led to then Martin Luther, who was able to distribute a few years later his thesis. 300,000 copies were distributed, Calvin, the Reformation, and so much of Western civilization. But on the parallel, right at the same time, all the Renaissance ideas were also being perpetrated by the Gutenberg printing press and, and, and later models of that, which was, you know, the Renaissance was not a renewal of anything. It was more of a return to paganism. So you have this culture in which God gives us technology and it's used equally for good and for bad in the same sphere, just like the internet, right? The internet and the global connectivity has good uses and bad uses. And we can't fight it and, and say, we shouldn't use the internet. Mm -hmm. It's no this is this is where we go, where we are in history. How can we use it to our benefit, and and what is our responsibility in connection with it? Yeah, and and with that, what's our responsibility? I'm just thinking. I'm going back to what you said with Klaus Schwab and the fact that with AI, you know, who needs elections because we have this new predictive uh, technology. I, that, see, if we, if we if we cut that, by the way, somebody could say, "See, Gary Humble said with AI, who needs elections?" Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That right there is honestly the only argument you should need to have every state in America do away with election machines mm -hmm. immediately. Yeah. I mean, we've been arguing the point of the necessity of secured, hand-marked paper ballots, hand-counted for, for a long time now. Yeah. That statement by Klaus Schwab should inform everyone exactly – what the end game is, what the intentions have been all along with yep. having folks adopt this digital election world that we now find ourselves in. We have to get ourselves out. Again, I bring him up again. I, I think that's what they just did in Argentina. I mean, I think they I think now nationally it's handmarked paper ballots. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's incredible what they're doing. Yeah, and it makes a difference. So, which then gets to the point. So we live in an age of AI. We live in a, an age of a, a development of technology that we never thought likely, perhaps, in our lifetimes, at least not to this degree. And so the question becomes, yes, it's good to use over here, but there are certain areas of life that we should never allow it to impact, right? Yep. So this, this sanctity of elections, just like anything else having to do with life and humanity, the important decisions need to be left out of that sphere because that, as you say, was always the intention. It's all about power and control. And so our responsibility, and perhaps, Gary, like you said, maybe that does become a rallying cry. I mean, how much more do you need than a man saying, we don't need elections, here's why, to, to frighten people in a good way, not that we should walk around scared, but to, to awaken them exactly. right, to the reality of what, what happens if you don't re-secure elections. And that's what I, why I said what I said earlier. Are we actually paying attention and listening to what these people are saying? If, if we were, then we ought to act now. Yep. Uh, speaking of elections, uh, what are your thoughts on the Iowa caucus earlier? Interesting. Um, <clears throat> first of all, it's no surprise that Trump won, I, it, and it, it's not that Trump wouldn't have won, but there were a little bit of shenanigans media-wise with them announcing it like an hour yeah, and a half into the definitely evening. Definitely wanted to get into that. So that, that bothers me, not because I think that um, anybody else would have beaten Trump, but it, you 
you have evidence on the ground that people said, why am I here at this particular right. location? So that that's meaningful. The other thing coming out of Iowa that I think is is so evident now is the attempt to make Nikki Haley, if she can't be president, they want Nikki Haley to be vice president and they're doing everything they can Mm -hmm. to bolster her when she, I I am so disappointed. Did you hear her comment about now it being a two person race? Yes. Like you came 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 in in third. third. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's an insult. And, And I think she's thinking forward to New Hampshire because DeSantis hasn't spent any money or time in New Hampshire. Kind of a waste. And so that's what she's hoping to set up. She wants to come out of New Hampshire and say, see, it's it's Trump and Nikki Haley. She's not going to perform well in the other states, but for the fact that if Ron DeSantis would drop out, which I hope he doesn't now for that reason alone, mm-hmm. right? I don't. I, I think it's kind of beyond the point of us thinking that Ron DeSantis has a chance, that anybody has a chance of beating Trump for the nomination, but the fact that Nikki Haley is is being paid for, bought and paid for by the left. I mean, you have billionaires yeah. from the left who are putting money into Nikki Haley's campaign. That tells us all we need to know about what their objectives are. Yeah, so I, I was I was really bothered um, by the media stunt, you know, at the caucus. And again, like you say, I don't... Looking at the landscape and just being reasonable about the whole thing, I, I don't think that... It in any way swayed the results. I right. think I think Trump had a clear and concise victory. How, however, it it does bother me that when some folks in the DeSantis camp are crying foul, you know, because so a lot of people I don't think realize the way this works. So normally, because uh, I had I had folks on Twitter like acting like I was stupid, and this is what we always do. And okay, just. Normally in, a, in an election, the polls close at 7, and then the media is reporting the results as they come in. Right. But voting's done. Mm-hmm. like So there's no results coming out until the last person has voted. So that's how it typically works. Yep. In the caucus scenario, the voting began at 7 o'clock in, what is it, 99 counties? Yep. The, the timing of how they voted— in all 99 counties were vastly different. I mean, some were done voting in 10 minutes, but there were many counties that were still voting well after 8 o'clock, uh, I think in some regards past 8.30 till almost 9. Yet by 7.30, right, the media had reported that Trump won, with yeah. 1% reporting. Yeah. So what I want people to grasp is in 99 counties across the state of Iowa, you had folks in a caucus where speeches were still being made. Yes. <clears throat> Decisions like, still in the balance. Like, not only were they not finished voting, no one in the room had voted. They were still listening mm-hmm. to speeches. And as people are listening to speeches, again, haven't even begun the voting process, they're getting notifications on their device saying, yep. well, Trump won. What do you do at that point? Right. And so all of the Trump folks online were just, you know, bashing everyone who had, you know, he was going to win anyway. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, my, my thought in that moment was really, is that really where we are now? So because your guy won, everything else doesn't matter. See, that's so that's the issue I have with so many people, even in our own party, that at the end of the day, 
don't believe in principle. They don't believe in the Constitution. They don't believe in liberty. They believe in the ends justifying the means. Right. All they want is an end result, and they don't care how they arrive there. That's why we're in so much trouble right now. Which is kind of ironic, because if you think of all of the unfair attacks that have been lodged against Trump by the media, no kidding. by the district attorneys, by the Department of Justice, by the Biden administration's, you know, flapping its lips— and Trump always says this is an unfair trial. It's an injustice. So you would think that for that reason and no other reason, he would say, you know what? We can't allow. He could have had influence. I mean, he couldn't have prevented the AP from from running with the story, but he certainly could have had influence and say, we need to let this thing play out. He should have had the confidence to know I'm going to win. We don't need to you know, quash the opposition yeah. by letting it out. So, they, yeah, that that definitely reflects poorly on the Trump team, and it, it it's what gives people nervousness about Trump, right? Whenever you say yes, obviously Trump is better than Biden. I, there's, there's no question no, about no, that. Nobody's arguing yeah. that. <laughs> but, but, you know, we still have our reservations because he advanced the vaccines, the jabs that were, and he still is unapologetic for it. Um, he's abandoned the right to life, right? He's gone into this, back into his position that he had as a Democrat almost, right? He wants he wants to um, be very, quote-unquote, neutral, which you can't be on the issue. So, yeah, we have concerns about that. And as to your point, in Iowa, had they done it without allowing the media or trying to prevent the media from, or even, as you say, when the media did it, they should have been appalled like everybody else. Yes. Instead of the, saying, the response, we were going to win anyway. That's right. The response should have been the same. And, that, and that's the point I want to make. So, look, I think it's clear... Trump won the Iowa caucus in a in such a fashion that I just think at this point it's it's foolish. Some would say it was foolish before. I disagree. But I think at this point now, after the Iowa caucus, it's foolish to think that anyone else has a clear path to victory in the primary. Right. That's my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Trump is the clear front runner. You know, just call it done. But my 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 caution and my what I what I would like to say to that is. But we have to be the kind of people that care about how we have to care yes. about the how mm -hmm. we have to hold to principles. We have to hold to the rule of law. Uh, we have to believe in accountability and fairness and all of those things, because if, if we don't, we're just going to continue to go down a very bad path. It doesn't it, it's not only about who is in the leadership seat. You know, we all have a responsibility to maintain a certain decorum and order, order, sorry, in how we operate. And that's that's just lacking. I, I just I hated to see it. I hated to see something that I felt was so egregious by the media calling an election before people had even voted. And so many folks who call themselves, you know, America first didn't even care. Right. That was not a concern. Now, I'm saying it absolutely should be a concern. So here's a question for you, Gary. It's the AP, I believe, Associated Press, that was the first to call it. They're obviously not a conservative no. news organization. No. They obviously have had it in them to take Trump down since 2015. Why do you think they would do something that ostensibly favors Trump in Iowa? That's an interesting question. I don't. That's a great question, actually. I, I think I thought about that briefly, but not not very deeply, um, because it does seem that way. What CNN? 
um, all of those networks quickly adopted uh, yeah. the mantra that Trump won and called it. So that's a great question. Why? Do you think, here's my, here's my theory. I still think that they believe that Trump is going to be precluded from running because of all of his legal challenges. Mm. And so their hope is... They want him to be the nominee. They want him to be the nominee, and then they're going to cut his legs out from under him with every other purpose. So we have nobody left who's been running. Because he'll be in jail. Or Nikki Haley would be their next best. And I still don't think, I still go on the record, I still don't think it matters. I still think they've already selected their, whether it be Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama... (laughs) I still yeah, don't have Klaus, a lot of hope. Klaus Schwab has already used predictive <laughs> AI technology to determine. He uh, predicts that the American people want Gavin Newsom to be their next president. <laughs> that's right. By the way, though, I'm not, I'm not a, I, so if you would have asked me this four months ago, five months ago, um, maybe even three, I was pretty certain, that, as I've been for a long time, that Gavin Newsom will be our next president. But now I'm wondering if it's maybe Michelle Obama. I'm, I, I can't. I'm having a hard time now discerning who it is they're actually planning to put in that seat because there's some things happening now that make me think it's Michelle. It it does kind of go back and forth, right? If you were a betting man, you could be like, today it looks like Michelle's got the got the lead and another day it's Gavin. But like I, I think s- we agree that they're plan. I, I don't think anybody should assume that Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. No. <clears throat> they're not doing anything to protect him as if they want him to be the nominee. If anything, it looks like they're trying to make the ground under him fall completely out so that they can have an easy excuse to say, not qualified. My question is, when do they do it? Do they wait till summer? Do they wait till fall? Do they do it after the convention? Yeah. It's going to be a surprise. You know, it's going to be old bait and switch. And Yeah. It'll be interesting. Well, actually... Before we move off that topic, someone made the point, how would they, what would be the mechanism for them to actually do that? Because the filing deadlines in all of the states for the Democratic primary have already passed. So everybody's voting for Biden. So that's why I think it has to happen on the convention. I've read things, yeah, convention floor. That's right. That's right. This happens on the convention floor. Huh. So going to be a hot summer. And, you know, there'll probably be, Riots and all that stuff going on, too. We've got to brace ourselves for that kind oh, of... Oh, well, and Disease X. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be so much being thrown at us yep. leading up to that presidential election. Yeah, that's why I continue my prediction that 24 is going to be one hell of a year. We're just getting started. By the way, what do you make of the Taiwan elections? They came out... Not that anyone leading Taiwan is... Uh, we should view as a free market in the way that we view free markets... But certainly the Taiwanese president-elect is not who communist China wanted to win. Maybe do the, do the people see the writing on the wall? <clears throat> do, they, do they realize the, the imminent threat that is coming their way? And are they, are they doing everything they can maybe to hedge their bets and protect themselves? Hopefully. I, I was a little impressed that there was no election shenanigan. I kind of thought that maybe that was written in stone. You know, the Chinese would have arranged that so that he couldn't have won. So that gives me some hope. So what you're saying is since Taiwan was able to legitimately elect, so we think a free market guy, perhaps more free market. Yeah, more, certainly yeah. wasn't communist friendly. Sure. Perhaps maybe we, we might be able to elect a Republican in the White House this year. Don't put my hope in it, but <laughs> oh boy. 
Well, anything before we sign off today, Gary, is there anything in Tennessee that happened this week during the snow or did they, did they cancel sessions or postpone? No, them? nothing. Yeah. It was completely shut down. So okay. the legislature Monday through Friday, total, total shutdown this week. So um, that's a good thing for freedom. It's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so next week, unfortunately, I, I believe will be fast and furious. There'll be bills being filed. Um, it'd be hard to keep up with. So right now we're still in the process of, I think last I heard the bill filing deadline was January 30th. That was before this week. So I would I would imagine that we're now pushed back to the first week of February. Okay. And I think we've got about four bills that are coming into committee next week. So we're we're off to a slow a slow start. But yeah, make sure if if you listen to our podcast and for some strange reason um, you're not subscribed to our email list at Tennessee Stands, uh, please do that. Go to TennesseeStands.org, click on the subscribe button, and make sure that you're subscribed to our email list. And I would encourage you, you know, when you subscribe, make sure you put in your physical address. Um, your address is helpful to us uh, because we can uh, target certain representatives that we want to get messages to from their constituents. That's extremely helpful, helpful in the advocacy process, so please do that. And again, that's TennesseeStands.org and click on subscribe because it's about to get busy here in the state of Tennessee. Great. Till next week, we got a special guest, right? We do. Next week, uh, special guest Steve Friend of the FBI, whistleblower. Former FBI, yeah. Former FBI, uh, who saw, I believe, Kevin, uh, some shenanigans going on. He did. During January 6th, during the insurrection, as they call it. Yeah, and he's going to be here in the studio with us, right? And live in studio. So we're, we're excited to interview uh, Steve Friends. so be looking out for that. Also, coming up, like I said, we've got Steve Dace, and we had to reschedule because of the ice storm. We couldn't get to the studio. Congressman Tim Burchett uh, will also be a guest very soon on the podcast. So good stuff coming up. Stay tuned. Great. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it. <laughs>